African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Welcome to African Dialogue, where we come to you every Monday to Thursday to contextualize the issues of the African continent. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Moshatama. Remember, we're on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet on DSTV. And also, you can stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, this week it was reported that a pregnant woman died in Pretoria, South Africa as a result of listeriosis, a foodborne disease. At that stage, the Gauteng Health Ministry had confirmed that there were over 500 cases that were detected this year and over 30 deaths recorded in the last 11 months. It is still unclear what the source of listeriosis is in the country and there are still investigations that are underway under the auspices of South Africa's health department. While the latest is also the fact that that the listeriosis infections have spread uh, to the Nelson Mandela Bay in South Africa. Well, let's bring in the Honorable Minister of Health, Aaron Mutsualedi, one of my favorite uh, ministers, always making himself available, even in times of crisis. He's not one to shy away from issues. Honorable Minister, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you very much, Benjamin, and thank you to the listeners. Now let's look at uh, this issue of listeriosis. As I mentioned in our intro that uh, it was reported on Monday that a pregnant woman died uh, from the foodborne disease. And now we hear the latest news that it has spread to the Nelson Mandela Bay. Do we have, as a country, have a hand on this infection right now? Or is it still unpredictable uh, where it could be going? Or do we understand what's going on on the ground right now? No, no, no. I'm getting a little bit confused when you say it's spreading to Nelson Mandela Bay because then it's supposed is that it started somewhere so. and spreading around, so. uh, which is wrong, which is wrong. Uh, at the time, the, the information became available. According to investigation from the NICD, the National Institute of Communicable Disease, each of the nine South African provinces have had a patient. So it's not okay. that in any one patient. I sure. heard you saying it's threatening outing. No, that's not the case. Okay. But what, what has happened is that, remember, listeriosis is not a notifiable disease. Sure. So, yeah, we could not have known who's notifying it anyway, uh, somewhere. So what has happened is that, rather, in two hospitals, professors in neonatal units in two hospitals mm. just noticed an, you know, an increasing number of children with listeriosis, which they regarded as abnormal because in South Africa every year for the past 40 years, we've been having between 60 and 80 cases every year and spread all over the country, not in any one part of the country. So, so when they saw those, that increased number, it was unusual, and they informed the National Institute of Communicable Diseases. The institute went to all the laboratories in the country. Uh, there are 23 private laboratories and 260 
government-owned laboratories. They went to all of them. They are spread throughout the length and breadth of South Africa to find out whether they ever tested anybody with mysteriosis since January, because it was July when they were informed. And they found that in, 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 fact, in fact, it has occurred all over the country, in all the provinces, except that 62% of the cases are in one province, which is the Rawitian province, the central province of the country. So let's let's bring in uh, Dr. Juno Thomas there while you're on the line, uh, uh, Dr. Mutualedi. Uh, Dr. Juno Thomas is the head of the Center for Entric Diseases of the National Institute of Communicable Diseases. I think I've moved ahead of myself with the, using the word spread because that was that is what has been reported, Dr. Juno Thomas, in our media. In terms of listeriosis in itself, what is it, and what is the source? Of it. I know it's very difficult to get a hand on that, but can you just give us a brief understanding for us ordinary citizens who don't understand how the disease actually is contaminated and how we should actually uh, be, uh, be be actually cautious in, in which circumstances and situations, Dr. Thomas? Thank you very much, and good morning, and good morning, Honorable Minister, as well. Um, morning, morning, Dr. Morning. <laughs> good to hear you as well. So listeria is the name of the bacterium, which is mm. a germ, and the the disease that it causes in humans is called listeriosis. We know that this bacteria is, is found globally in many environmental sources, importantly mm. water okay. and soil and vegetation, and, and some animals also um, carry it in their gut. But humans get infected when they eat food that has become contaminated with listeria. And food can become contaminated at any point along the entire food production chain. So this can occur at origin, for example, where you've got contaminated fresh produce from using fertilizer that's contaminated, for example, or when you've got contaminated food animals, But um, increasingly, what's being reported worldwide is that contamination is also happening at the point where you've got food processing. And because nowadays, um, mass food processing is becoming more cost-effective and um, we're seeing a a lot of different foodstuffs being prepared at, at, at bigger production facilities, there's always the possibility that listeria can contaminate the production facility environment and and then you may get contaminated food items that are coming out of that production facility Mm. environment. Mm. Then at a home level, when you are handling food that you may have bought that is contaminated, um, you can then sometimes that food itself may give you disease but also... You can, if you're handling that food and then you handle cooked food or other raw food that isn't intended to be cooked, then you can cause contamination of food stuff in your home environment as well. 
Well, let me come back to Dr. Mutsualedi before I introduce Ms. Matlo Sitati, who's the Executive Food Safety Initiative Consumer Goods Council of South Africa. In terms of the issue of should we be alarmist right now at uh, what we're seeing, especially the way the media is reporting listeriosis, and how should we respond to it, Dr. Mutsualedi, as ordinary citizens at this particular moment? And also... Uh, I want to know what the health ministry is doing from from uh, a functional perspective and a professional viewpoint whereby they're responding to listeriosis in the manner in which it has been reported in the public domain. Well, look, I am not sure what the, the root cause of the panic will be. Mm-hmm. All that we did was to announce to people that we think, we do think we have got an outbreak of a disease which for 40 years has been there in the country, but occurring in numbers which were still below the radar screen because it was not notifiable. Remember that for a disease to be notifiable, it must satisfy two of the five qualifying criteria, one of them being, you know, something unexpected or something unusual, and the Mm -hmm. other one being the issue of spread. Mm. And the, the, of course, the first one being that it must be contagious, and and also that uh, it it will cause it can cross borders and go to other countries, mm. or also that it might cause travel and and business restriction. Listeria was not doing any one of these two until recently. What is doing now is unusual and expected. So that's the first criteria. The second thing that it's doing is that it has affected 500 people when we are used to it stopping at age. And that's why we made the announcement, and that's why we, we thought maybe we must start taking precautions. Now, the precautions that people are taking, because this is a foodborne disease, are taken from the World Health Organization. Uh, the World Health Organization advises that in the advent of a foodborne disease, people must obey five keys to food safety. There are five keys to food safety that people must uh, obey, and that, that's the information was spreading. The first one being keep clean, you know, wash your hands every time with soap and water uh, before handling food and after handling food, and if you come back from uh, the bath, I mean, from uh, bathroom, obviously, that's obvious, you have got to wash, and I'm encouraging people to wash as many times as they can, never to get tired. The second thing is that we're advising them not to handle raw food, and cooked food together. They must separate them or rather wash their hands if they have to handle raw food and be forced to touch cooked food. The third thing we're asking them is not to eat not to eat raw food or half cooked food. They must cook the food very thoroughly to make sure that it's cooked because the, the bacteria does not resist heat at all. And the fourth thing we're asking them is that uh, if they have to take milk, for instance, and milk products, they must make sure that it's pasteurized or at least boiled. They must, it must be boiled first. And the fifth thing, we are advising people who don't have source of clean running water in the country to boil water first before they ever use it. Well, also, I'm being asked here to really look at the issue of what's happening from an administrative perspective, uh, Dr. Mutsualedi, and uh, looking at what's happening from 
what you were saying has this uh, disease been gazetted in the government gazette uh, what has been happening in terms of doing it uh, making sure that things are done administratively from a national health insurance uh, perspective national health insurance no 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 i mean from a national health uh, making sure that that the, 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 there is a good gazetting method in, in making sure oh, that in, oh yes. yeah no no we, we do have a method there's a committee in the country a law standing committee that advises on the issue of notifiability and because Nigeria has now qualified in two of the criteria. It's clear that it must be notifiable. Okay. That process is on, and it will end in a government gazette where we are now saying this disease must be notified. It is on. Uh, it's in the process. It's in the pipeline, in other ways, following mm. all the normal procedures that are usually followed when you start uh, notifying a disease. Let me move to Ms. Matlousitat, Executive of the Food, Health and Safety Initiative from the Consumer Goods uh, Council of South Africa and st- in terms of looking what the food production and distribution industry, how they're responding to this uh, particular issue. Uh, Ms. Tati, what's happening from your industry in terms of making sure that uh, uh, things are healthy and that we still have a hand on uh, this particular issue of listeriosis? Uh, good day, um, uh, Benjamin. Thank you for having the CGCSA represented in this issue. Um, hello to um, Honorable Minister and the Doctor. Um, from our side... Morning. Good morning. Um, we, we basically want to stress that there's no need to panic, also feeding into what the Minister has already said. There's no need to panic because our members, in, in terms of manufacturing standards, we follow strict hygiene rules that are set by the department and we are monitored regularly by the Department of Health. So we basically have even upped our, our standards once this has been uh, communicated from the Department of Health. So basically that's what we're doing, but we've been doing it because with every food production, you have to assure that whatever that goes to the consumer is of utmost safety compliance. It's, it's, it's our most imperative one, also underpinned by the Consumer Protection Act. So basically that's what we, we are doing currently, and we're working hand-in-hand hand with the Department of, of Health. We have given them the data that they are needed so that they can go on investigating also to identify which food products are actually impacted in this whole thing. Mr. Tati, how, how, how difficult is that process? Because you've got the farmer, you've got the distributors, you've got so many elements in uh, the production chain whereby uh, you really have to look at these different uh, parts of uh, the, the food production in itself. Are you having a tough time in terms of doing, doing that or is everyone collaborating in a way that is uh, required to pin down what is the source here? It, it, it can get uh, a bit uh, troublesome because we must all, all remember that listeriosis is spread across. It's, it's various food products that may be affected. But basically what happens from our member side, we have to ensure that traceability from farm, farm to fork is actually monitored and it's, it's recorded. That's why when the call from the DOH came, mm. we then had to issue out whatever that we can, whatever that we have, the tests that we run, because from raw material, there's testing that happens before it can get into the factory. 
And during production, there's online testing that happens. Mm. And even before the, 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 the products are, are actually released to, 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 to retailers or so, they get tested. And retailers as well ensure that whatever that comes into their, their factories have followed strict measures and they also comply. So the traceability that we follow actually helps when such cases happen. But I must say we need to give the process from the Department of Health to, to be followed so that they can clearly identify which food product or whatever source, be it water or whatever environmental uh, source that can be, to be identified. Because if we just say it's food product, then it becomes a, an issue of panic. So mm. because you need to identify even the strain, what food products did all those people actually consume so that you can actually pin the particular food product. Well, I know we've got limited time with the Honourable Minister, uh, but let me just get your final sentiments on the way forward. I know that you are in meetings this uh, morning. So just to get your final word on on, on the way forward, I think uh, uh, Ms. Matlosetat also highlighted some of the systems that are being put in place right now uh, to really deal with the situation, Uh, Dr. Mutsualid. You know, the the way forward is that, number one, Dr. Thomas and, and her team, in the NICD are continuing to take samples, you know, from our uh, laboratory network. They are continuing to, to search exactly where the source of the infection could have been along the food chain, as we say. The department, politically, as I'm saying, we are doing administrative measures to make the disease notifiable so that we can pick up in each and every health facility if it occurs, so that we'll be able to map it. But we are also going around informing the public in the form of radio interviews. We have sent health workers around. We they are spread all over the country. We are informing the public about the washing of hands and, and the, all the other issues of food safety that I've mentioned. Well, thank you so much, Doctor, and uh, thank you for making yourself uh, available to us, Honorable Minister. We really appreciate it. We know that you have a busy schedule, and uh, we'll stay with Dr. Juno Thomas and Ms. Matlou Sitati uh, just to carry the conversation through and look at uh, what other areas of this listeriosis that we need to look at. That is uh, Dr. Aaron Mutsualedi, South Africa's Honorable Minister of Health, uh, joining us there, just giving us a soundbite there on uh, how the uh, health ministry in South Africa is dealing with the situation. I still have Dr. Juno Thomas who's been waiting patiently there on the line, the head of Center for Entric Diseases of the National Institute for Communicable Diseases and Ms. Matloing Sitati who is the executive of the Food Safety Initiative which is part of the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa. Let's take a quick break. Remember we are on Twitter at African Dialogue. Give us your thoughts there on what you think uh, is uh, the messaging. Do you think the messaging is are responsible enough when it comes to this listeriosis. I still there's, there are a lot of misperceptions around it. I feel like that just doing this interview because I'm also not sure what's going on here. Uh, but Dr. Juno Thomas has given us an understanding of it alongside the other guests on the line. But let's uh, uh, take a quick break and then we'll find out more about uh, what's going on in terms of dealing with listeriosis. You're listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. <music> This is Channel Africa, 
South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We love Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. Today we're looking at a health story, uh, the listeriosis in parts of South Africa that we've seen and how we as South Africans, and even if you're uh, outside of our neighboring countries, how we can deal with this situation. Staying with us now is Dr. Juno Thomas, the head of Center for Entric Diseases of the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. Ms. Matlosetati is the executive of the Food Safety Initiative which is within the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa. Now, let me come to you, Dr. Juno Thomas. As you can hear, I'm not really learned about this particular uh, listeriosis, and I'm sure you can hear it from my type of questioning. But I like questioning things from this level because I'm sure these are the questions that ordinary people are thinking about at home. And from my perspective, I want to know just, I know that you highlighted it briefly when we started the program, but how does it get contracted? Is it us eating foods that are not clean, that we're not washing enough? Is it just by touching certain foods themselves? Can you break it down for us on how we can actually contract this uh, listeriosis, uh, just from a layman's perspective? So, um, I mean, I think, it's already been mentioned in passing that listeria can contaminate a huge variety of of food items and food groups, including meat and meat products, dairy products, certain fruits and vegetables, and ready-to-eat products. So products that are, are typically cooked, and if they're cooked thoroughly, shouldn't pose a risk even if they are contaminated. However, they do pose a risk um, when you are handling raw, for example, and, and I mean this, this usually refers to meat that you're okay. going to cook. So if you're handling raw meat that's contaminated, you may cook the meat until that's, um, you know, at, at very high temperatures and it's thoroughly cooked, and then the listeria in the meat itself is inactivated. But if you're handling the meat, and when it's still raw, and then you handle other fruits and vegetables and other meats, like, for example, ready-to-eat meats that you're not going to cook, like uh, like cold meats, bologna, viennas, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, then the listeria can be transferred from from raw to, to other foods that, um, you know, and then you can get sick from that. Um, otherwise, it can be from raw foods directly, which you aren't going to cook and which perhaps have not been washed with safe water thoroughly. Um, and then the other thing is that you may have meat that's already cooked and then you're handling raw meat and then you touch the cooked meat again. So mm. what, that's what's, what's okay. called cross-contamination in the home and, and the restaurant environment, for example. Um, so... I think, you know, just given the range of foods that are responsible for causing previous outbreaks in listeria in other countries, 
uh, it's extremely difficult to say with our current outbreak, you know, what, what foods are most likely and then what preventive measures need to be taken. Because we don't mm. know, mm. you know, where where the level of contamination is occurring, and um, you know, then then how to um, to tell people to prevent themselves. So apart from following the World Health Organization's five keys to safer food, which are really commandments that everyone should be practicing with their their food hygiene every single day to keep themselves safe against food-borne diseases um, of many other kinds as well. Um, Apart from that, we really can't advise the public on anything in particular Hmm. until we get some firm leads as to which foods are most likely implicated. Ms. Tati, let me come to you in terms of uh, that particular angle that Dr. Juno Thomas just introduced in answering that question in terms of what's happening in messaging and making sure that the hospitality industry is also responsible in the way it handles food and also what's happening in our various uh, food chains. Um, Are we doing enough to send out that message? Uh, Should we be in that emergency state right now uh, to do that? Um, just as the Honorable Minister has said, there is really no need for, for, for panic or emergency state because this is, this is not a... The, the, the micro, microorganisms are around us and listeriosis is not a, a new thing. It's, not, it, it's, it's, it's rather an old disease that we've always been living with. But as we, we just need to reemphasize that, as Dr. Thomas has already said, it is everywhere, and it can be cross-contamination in terms of when you prepare the food or in the factory. Whichever point you look at it, you must just keep foods at safe temperatures, cook them thoroughly, and make sure that you don't cross-contaminate. Chances like um, an example of using a, a cutting board when you prepare food at home. You just need to make sure that once you have cut your meat pieces, you either use another cutting board or you, you wash that thoroughly with, with, with real soap and clean water and then to sort of you, you, you avert the, the, the chance of cross-contamination even though the other one you're going to cook thoroughly later on but the fresh vegetable that you might be serving with the, with the, with the, with the food might cross-contaminate and in the long run you're back to square one. So basically, we, we are communicating with our members. They are aware of mm, that. Mm. We've got a, a public statement that we've issued as CGCSA. It's on our web, website, available. And we're always feeding into whatever that the DOH and the NICD is, is, is feeding us so that we just give this rather non-panic uh, message to consumers that everyone that is involved just wants to make sure that this is handled in a calm manner and we are definitely assuring that all the food products that land on their plates are are safe. Dr. Gina, let me come back to you in terms of uh, what you are doing as the um, National Institute of Communicable Diseases. I know that there's a lot of testings that are taking place uh, currently right now. Tell us a little bit about the work that's going into uh, your investigations currently. So, uh, I mean, as the NICD, 
Um, there, there are numerous departments that are working with this outbreak response unit. There's the uh, or the outbreak response investigation. There's the emergency operations centre. There's the outbreak response unit, and then there's the centre for enteric diseases. So we're doing a number of things. We, we we're trying to keep um, a handle on the data to make sure that we. Are, are getting all cases of listeria that are confirmed in any of the private or public sector human health laboratories reported to us so that we can um, you know, issue updates on the number of cases and where we've seen cases that you know, can help departments of health and healthcare workers and the public to understand what's happening. Then we're working very closely with the Department of Health Environmental Health Practitioners. And what we're doing at the moment is as soon as we get informed about a, a case that's been diagnosed, we liaise with the, the relevant departments of health stakeholders and the environmental health practitioners are, are trying to visit as many homes of people that have been diagnosed with listeria as possible to sample any remaining remaining food in their homes. So, you know, there, there is the chance then that we can pick up listeria if it is in those food samples. We are also getting um, quite a lot of cooperation from some of the bigger private food testing laboratories mm. in the country, and they are sending us um, positive listerias that they're getting um, from the from the retail and production industry. And what we're doing with all of these bacteria, so the ones that the, the ones that we're getting from, from the patients as well as the ones that we're getting from food that's been sampled from patients' homes and the ones that are, are sent to us from the private food testing labs, we're doing a, a special test called whole genome sequencing. And that can tell us how related the listeria are that we're seeing from, from, the, from the humans as well as the food. And that will help us to be able to definitively pinpoint um, the type of food that is responsible for, for the outbreak. And if someone has contaminated listeriosis, is there good treatment for it? Um, do we know how it is dealt with from a medical perspective? So I think it's very important to remember that people that are otherwise healthy have got minimal risk of developing disease from listeria if they eat contaminated food. It's our high-risk groups that are very vulnerable and can develop severe disease. And these include pregnant women, um, very young babies under the age of a month, people over the age of 65 and those with, with weaker immune systems. And this would include people that are living with HIV, um, underlying cancer and chronic kidney, liver disease and diabetes. So when they do develop severe illness and, and are hospitalized, all laboratories in the country, both in the private and the public sector, are readily able to diagnose listeria. On, on samples that are sent. And the treatment for it is, is, an, is an antibiotic called ampicillin, 
and often another antibiotic called gentamicin is added to that, and those antibiotics are always available throughout the private and the public sector. It's a very um, simple, cheap antibiotic that is available everywhere. Now, having said that, mm. because it's, it's high-risk groups of people that, that tend to develop severe disease, um, the nature of the disease is such that many people, unfortunately, even when they are diagnosed and treated correctly, we, we know from outbreaks that have happened worldwide, and this includes in cu- countries like the U.S. and U.K. and Europe, where they've got very sophisticated healthcare systems, um, that around 25 to 30% of, of these high-risk people that develop disease will die, even if they are treated appropriately. Well, let me take a quick break. Thank you so much, Dr. Juno, for that uh, and that, that update and that information. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked uh, Dr. Mutsualedi, the Minister of the of Health in South Africa, in terms of what do you both see the way forward being in terms of dealing with listeriosis before we end the program. You're still listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue. From Monday to Thursday, we look at the big subject matters on the African continent. Today, we zoom into South Africa, a health story, and we're looking at the breakout of listeriosis. It's not really a breakout, as you can hear, as uh, it seems like it's very unique in terms of where the source is, because it comes uh, from, uh, uh, it's waterborne and also can be contaminated through meats, as you heard there, and uh, through uh, vegetables. But let's take a quick break. We'll be back after this. Good news for our listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Well, today we are joined by Dr. Juno Thomas, the head of the Center for Entric Diseases, uh, which is part of the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. And uh, from uh, the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa, we have the executive of the Food and Safety Initiative, Ms. Matlo Sitati. Let me come to you, um, Matlo, in terms of the way forward. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of how we can deal with it? I know that you've uh, really told us not to really be too much of our alarmists we're not in an emergency state um but how do we handle it I, i'm sure it comes back to personal responsibility yes definitely uh what we could advise is um from the cgc's point of view let's allow for the experts the ehps and the department of health to do the investigation because we we need to underpin the exact uh, source of this outbreak and also, what we could advise from the consumers is let's not get tired of washing our hands. After each and every activity, let's just wash our hands and make sure there's no cross-contamination. Let's cook our food thoroughly, and as the Honorable Minister has already said, let's rather avoid fresh uh, food for now if we are not sure they have followed strict uh, food safety production methods. And also, 
the one key thing when consumers go to report to health workers when they have uh, suspicion that they, they may have consumed some contaminated food, we need to be, as consumers, be able to answer the questions that the health workers would need. And we also need to have a culture of knowing which food products we ate so that they can go, if possible, sample those food products. We know when we have uh, events or so, such things happen. Uh, We were at a wedding and I was just warning my whole family that just make sure that you monitor the symptoms as provided by the Department of Health so that we, we, we don't have any chances of the infection. So let's just make sure that we keep the information ready should we get the contamination. And also, just going back to retail and manufacturing point of view, strict measures are followed, and we just want to assure that there need not be any, any panic from the food products that are um, are manufactured, they are safe to consume. If there is any alarm, we will definitely inform the Department of Agriculture, I mean the Department of Health, in terms of the results that have been found from the different retailers and manufacturers. Mm. Dr. Thomas, uh, let me give you the final word. And uh, um, Ms. Matati highlighted the issues of uh, symptoms. What should people look out for? So the the ways that listeria can present, and as as I mentioned before, mm. this, this pertains importantly to those high risk groups of people, ranges from um, quite minor, mm. which is a fever and flu-like illness and diarrhea, and that usually um, just results in a few days, and that that's just a gastroenteritis. Okay. But the more severe forms are when the bacteria gets into the bloodstream and causes a a generalized infection of the bloodstream. And that is quite severe. Patients will present with fever and and be very sick very rapidly. So those are patients that will definitely go to a healthcare provider. You you wouldn't stay at home Mm. um, when you are feeling that ill. The third sort of major form of disease is when the bacteria gets to the brain and causes an infection of the brain and the linings of the brain, and we call that meningitis. And symptoms of meningitis from listeria are the same as those of meningitis caused by, you know, many other bacteria and viruses. It's a headache that's often severe with a fever sometimes with confusion or neck stiffness and may um, have some nausea and vomiting. So again, they're symptoms that are severe enough that that you would be concerned and go to a healthcare provider. Mm. I think the one group of of people that I I would just like to encourage to take extra precautions Mm. um, about their symptoms is pregnant women. And should pregnant women develop a fever that, that, you know, they, that there's no obvious um, source for or have diarrhea with a fever, they really should go to a doctor. Um, there was a, another thing I just wanted to mention. In terms sure. of water, we, we don't think it's waterborne, as in we don't think it's from drinking municipal okay. water. Okay. Okay. Um, it's more that water is a source for contamination of the food. Okay. 
So, you know, we, we're quite certain that it's a contaminated food item and it's not your municipal water source. Well, thank you um, so Thank you so much, Dr. Juno. We have to leave sure. it there. Um, you guys have Thanks been so informative. Fine. We'll try to see if we can share it on our social media just to spread the word out and uh, hope that your organization will try to make sure that we tag you on those uh, shared podcasts so people can find out more what's happening here. But you both have been so informative and helping us understand what's going in this regard. And uh, thank you to Dr. Juno Thomas, the head of the Center for Enteric Diseases of the National Institute for Communicable Diseases. Thank you to Matlo Sitati, who is the executive at the Food Safety Initiative, which is within the Consumer Goods Council of South Africa. Thank you both for giving us your time. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Thank you. Great, great. That takes us to the end of our program. 